Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. We took a little break last week, um, just kind of by necessity. Uh, I had stuffed, uh, well, Frank Reich was, was back here for a little bit, and I had to do that story last Wednesday. Uh, we were both trying to take time off, uh, so we just kind of we just kind of tabled this discussion. Nothing really much has changed, so I don't think we necessarily missed a, a huge opportunity there. Um, no, I just think it's time for a break. That's yeah. what, uh, like even Paris Campbell said that yesterday. It just was time for everyone to have a break. It's kind of unfortunate they got such a late bye. It's unfortunate no matter how their season was going to go, but uh, felt like everyone could have used a break a few. Weeks uh, the bye fell. Dire- the bye yeah. fell almost directly on my wife's birthday, so I was fine. Okay. With it. So it worked for you. <laughs> I, I was fine with it. Um, I I I like as a dad. As a dad, I like it when there's a Thursday night game or. Uh, a buy in December because it gives you an extra weekend for Christmas stuff. That helps. Yeah, the free weekend and free December weekends are nice. I will say I don't. I'm not in the same spot, but I, I did get home for a weekend, which I was. You know, holidays are up in the year right now, and Thanksgiving was difficult to get around family, so that was kind of like a makeup for it. Yeah, I uh, I I hadn't gotten my Christmas lights up on the house yet because we had some stuff happen um, during Thanksgiving week. And my my four year old, my wife was kind of saying like, you don't have to do it. I mean, it's only going to be two weeks now. But my four year old really, really desperately wanted lights on the house, and so um, we took I took Sunday and got the lights up on the bottom of the house, and then my brother came over on Monday and put the lights up on the top of the house, and it took one of us three hours, and it took one of us one hour, and which were you? I I don't I don't want to admit okay. which one I was because his job was much harder because he was he was hanging it on the peaks. And it took him an hour, <laughs> and it took me three. Uh, that's oh, that's our dynamic, it's, though. That's it's been a long season. That's our, well, that no, that's our dy- that's our dynamic, though. My brother is very handy and very good at like fixing or anything like that, and I can do it. But it takes me three to four times as long as it as it takes him. Um, yeah, he's I, I he's I have five brothers. Or I have I have four brothers. I'm the oldest of five. He's the second one, and he got like all of the handyman stuff. I got almost none of it. You guys grew up on a farm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on the on the farm, on the farm, like my dad would try to like teach me how to fix all these stuff, all this stuff, and on the farm, I was just, I really ended up just being muscle, and Josh was the one who could actually fix stuff. So, and then the three younger ones kind of got off scot free because they were kind of done. We were kind of done farming by the time, by the time they were kind of in the in the right right range. But that's enough about me. Uh, let's move on to the Colts. Um, I, let's, I think I think this is probably a good podcast. I tried to do this with a story yesterday. I didn't think it was my best story. Um, Jeff Saturday commenting that he wanted the job sort of moved up my timetable a day, and I didn't have enough time to really lay things out the way I wanted to, but I think we could do that on the podcast a little bit. It's, it's the halfway point. He's coached four games. He's one in three. He's, he's going to coach four more games. Let's, let's sit on Jeff Saturday for a little while and, and talk about you know what he's done how he's done so far here yeah it's it's interesting the conversation we had with him yesterday we were asking those questions about you know do you want this job and you know is this still top of mind for you and it it just shows you kind of the weird situation we're in here it's an interim that stepped in from the outside obviously he's we we know his background he played 14 years he's not like removed totally removed but at the same time this isn't a guy who's who's kind of built his life to this moment so he's been figuring out everything right like like what you're saying is like like a different like like another most interim coaches come from the staff like it's their career it's what they've been doing yeah Yeah, you think there's one other interim coach out there steve wilkes and so that guy's life has been building toward trying to become a head coach and he got one job in arizona and it only lasted a year and it was a weird deal and now he's got sort of a second chance and probably probably the last chance well you don't want to say that, but it's hard. It's just hard to get extra jobs. So he's fighting tooth and nail, doing a great job. It's just a totally different kind of trajectory to get there. It's just like, you know, seven, eight weeks ago, you know, Jeff Saturday was was just kind of watching games as an analyst. And he talked about that too. He went from reading and consuming everything on teams to trying to block it all out because now he's in coach mode. So everything's been an adjustment for him, but he's found that what he told us was that he's he's very much wants to interview for this. He's had a lot of fun doing it. He, you know, he's he's got a passion for leading players in this way, and I think he's having to learn a lot along the way. And like one one thing I had asked him is like, what how do you how do you handle your first 
bye week ever as an NFL coach. You've done it like players for players. You know, it's a time to get away for coaches though. They're often they're trying to catch back up, especially a situation like this. So he put in a lot more hours last week uh, than, you know, that I think some players, well, I know that some players did in that, that he did as a player. So he's, a, it's all learning as you go. And, and it, they're one in three right now under him. So, you can look at that a few different ways. They, it, on one hand, it's it's kind of amazing they almost beat the Eagles and held that team to 17 points with the way that team's rolling. But one and three is one and three, and they also got blown out on the other end of that by the Cowboys. So, well, that's 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 a good place to start with this too. Is just what's how should Jeff Saturday be judged? I I um, I'm going to give the way I've been and telling people on the radio and 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 in other things, just. I think that the way this was set up with Ursay's press conference sort of defiantly saying he's ready for this, um, what he said to Mike Chaplin, Bob Kravitz later about how we're not tanking, we're trying to win, um, what he said during the opening press conference about this was going in the wrong direction, I need to do something to arrest the fall. Um, my impression of what they were trying to do with the move was to turn things around. And therefore, I have to judge him by that standard of did they turn things around? Has the trajectory changed? Um, versus sort of what the way you would look at it with a what the, there's there's another way to look at it. I think where it's like he's a first time head coach. Let's just see how he goes. I think that's probably the more fair way to judge him based on what he is. But the way this was set up, I think lends you to have to put a harsher judgment on what he's done so far. Yeah, that's fair, and I think that's the big chasm between how I think we are writing and talking about this versus how a lot of fans react to it. Because I've had so many fans that just said, you know, fans have packed this this season in a long time ago, and they they thought like, you know, this is this is just a guy who's in here playing out the stretch, and they're going to get young players' experience, and and that's just not how it's ever been. You know, he came in and the first big move he got to do was reinserting Matt Ryan as the quarterback over Sam Ellinger, which is the opposite of what you would do if it was about, you know, testing and developing the youth and getting ready for next year. They're risking $17 million to have Matt Ryan out there, but they did it because they thought that was the best chance they had to win, and they beat the Raiders that way, and um, and, and there was a momentary lift there. So they definitely, from the franchise's perspective, they definitely did that to try and stabilize this and get it moving somewhere and at the time they were three five and one which I mean we, we've played this out but you know they won they got to four five and one if they stop a Jalen Hurts draw they get to five five and one you're just talking about it a little bit differently than the way this has gone where now they're four eight and one and, and now you could have this conversation of well they're by all by all means they're out of it so what does that mean but he was here to try and turn it around he's doing his best job to do that um, it is difficult, though, to judge it on that because, on one hand, they're with what they have now, they're giving, they're doing everything they can to try and win. They're not just putting people on IR necessarily. They're not benching older players. Every or younger every ones. answer, every answer Jeff Saturday has given us on why he's doing something is because is is to try to win. Matt Ryan, Bernard Ryman, Will Fries. Um, anytime we've talked about a playing time thing like that. Even Jelani Woods last week, which we I, I don't think we need to get into that. I think both of us probably think Jelani Woods should play more. Um, I don't know that it fixes anything, but he should probably play more just considering he's the biggest upside tight end here. Um, and and uh, but but when he gave that answer, his answer was about how the game was going. They they were right in that game. They were playing well. He felt like and and so so all of his decisions have been made, and it makes sense. You know, I think if this was. I think the disconnect here, and this you've already spoken to this, but the disconnect here is that there is a segment of the fan base that's like, this is over. Uh, we're in developmental mode. I just want to see the developmental pieces. And I get that. They're 4-8-1. and one. It makes sense. Like that, that way of thinking, that brand of thinking makes sense for where this franchise is headed. It's going to be a reset of some sort, um, regardless of what happens to general manager, regardless of what happens with the head coaching spot. There's going to be some sort of reset, rebuild, whatever that's going to happen in the offseason. And finding out information that goes into that, totally understand why fans think that should be the, the focus. The hard part of this, though, 
is that that's not what Saturday was hired to do. And the way he's looking at it, which is also a very understandable way to look at it, is this is my audition for the head coaching job. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is why do you think Jeff Saturday took this job? I think some fans thought that this was just sort of a favor to Jim Irsay, come in here, play out the stretch, you know, do the evaluations. Jeff, Jeff, you know, they had a long conversation about why why he was the guy at the time, what what, what this could offer to him. And so it's, it's just different than promoting another in, interim, you know, a John Fox type and saying, you know, you're the one who's left here, kind of do the best, play it out, whatever. Yeah, everything they've done is for that. And the two moves I, I think just show that more than any is I mentioned Matt Ryan, um, who is, you know, does have $17 million that could come to him if he were to get hurt uh, in addition to next year's salary. But also they brought Jonathan Taylor back after he was out and they're playing him and they're running him a lot. And that's just not how I think you would manage your top asset who's a running back if the only goal was get us to next year. Obviously, they're doing that to try and win, and it helped them beat the Raiders. And it got them, you know, that was what they thought was the best chance to win the past four weeks. Um, so anyway, it's, that's that's it, that's it, a good shift there. Let's 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 shift there because that's a good shift. What you just led into the one of the hardest things I think about the difference between Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday is that Jeff Saturday is not an offensive designer or architect or play caller, and so a lot of the things that people were upset about with with Reich, the reasons that he ended up getting fired, is not something that Saturday is going to fix because it's not his bent. I think if there's one thing that looks different on offense and it looks very different well there's two things that look very different about the offense that I think are Saturday driven or Saturday signed off on ultimately falls at his feet he's the head coach Um, number one the offense is very simple they've said that it's easy to see it's a very simplified version of the offense Um, and then number two and this is this is why what you just said sort of led into this they're running the ball a ton Um, I think they're run expectancy is higher than what you'd expect from most of the NFL in just about every down and distance. And has it worked? Uh, I don't know. Overall, no. there's there. There you go. Expound. Oh, overall, yeah, no. Overall, That's where I was headed to. Overall, no. I mean, they're trying whatever they can. So, you know, I'm you're judging it in the context. He came in and it's a broken offense, so they tried something different. And I get trying to get it, I try, get trying to get the ball in the hands of your best player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, but keep going, it, keep going. I know where you're going. Keep yeah, going. yeah. There's that. There's also like they're they were just crushed by turnovers for so long, and there was a feeling that they were they're trying to do a little too much for a lot of the season. Was they brought Matt Ryan in and they you know they got all excited about you know having him for the offseason and on everything they could add and they're meshing sort of the things that Frank Reich has done for many years with what Matt Ryan has done for many years and introducing all these new players to it and when they didn't have the base foundation for that which was a lethal run game and and pass protection (laughs) like it all it all kind of became chaos so this is just their they keep trying new things some of its personnel changes with all the different combinations they've had in the offensive line so it's base scheme stuff, which is like when they put in Sam Ellinger and tried to have a running quarterback instead of a statue one. And then this was sort of the next step, which was let's really simplify this down. Let's put the ball in the hands of our best player. Let's try and build the offensive line's confidence that way. And let's eliminate the turnovers and play in games that we think our defense is capable of, of keeping us in winning. And you saw that formula was pretty close against the Eagles, which was – um, kind of a showcase game for that model because that's obviously a really good team. It just as time's gone on, you know, the league always adjusts to this, and this has happened each time they've switched this up. So you think about when they went to the the hurry up, quick pass game, high tempo thing against the Jaguars, thirty four points that week. And the next week, kind of fell apart against the Titans. They went to Sam Ellinger for a week against the the Commanders. Um, that was different. And they they had the run game kind of opened up and it was better. Fell apart against the Patriots. And then this has kind of happened where they, they reinserted Matt Ryan. They had a simple, safer offense, worked against the Raiders, kind of worked against the Eagles. As time goes on, though, the league keeps figuring them out, and you regress to the mean of what you are. And ultimately, it is still a broken, lacking offense. Well, the run, the run, the running game specifically, um, the way they've handled it, 
there, there's some deficiencies in the run game that are that have to do with who they lost in the offseason. Um, Jack Doyle for one. Uh, and I think Drew Ogletree was supposed to be groomed into that role. And when he tore his ACL, that, that hurt um, significantly. I, I, he wouldn't have been Doyle. Um, the Colts really yeah, believe. I, I think he would have been in the spot like where Jelani Woods was in that run, that third down run against the Steelers. No, no, no. Yeah, he was. No, I, I know from talking to people within the building, Ogletree was supposed to be in that in that blocking spot, and they were they were going to try to develop him into the Doyle role. He was never going to be Doyle. But beyond just the tight end spot, it's not just the tight end spot. Last year, Eric Fisher was bad in pass protection. He was very good as a run blocker. Mm-hmm. Very, very good run blocker. They have not gotten that kind of performance from their left tackles. Uh, same thing at right guard. Mark Lewinsky was a very good run blocker at right guard. The guys they have there right now are not the same type of drive blockers. Um, the guys that, they've, they, that they cycled through at the beginning were not the same type of blockers in that. And then, obviously, you've seen all the clips of Ryan Kelly having issues against the Eagles. Um, you know, Quentin Nelson in the run game hasn't been quite as dominant um you know some of those other guys aren't aren't necessarily living up to their reputation but those three spots specifically i think the really big fall off falls on those three spots specifically and so like last year in the run game they were forcing the run game into stack boxes they were doing this because they didn't trust their passing game they had the blockers to make it work this year they don't have the blockers to make it work and what you're seeing in the last three games is it worked against the Raiders, but the last three games, what you're seeing is there's like an initial burst with Taylor where he looks really good because he's really good and he's creating yards, and they get some, they they get like one twenty-ish, thirty-ish yard run, and then as the game goes on, and the defense realizes that every single first down they're running the ball, um, and they're going to keep going back to that, it just dries up. Um, there was a the the long the last long scoring drive for the Colts against the Cowboys. Taylor had a 19-yard run early in it, and then his next five carries in that drive went for no yards. <laughs> they scored because of the passing game, but like that's the, if you if you look at what's happened in a lot of these games, like Taylor has 399 yards I think over the last four games, and he's had at least 80 in every game. A lot of that is volume, and a lot of that is early in the game, and then it's it has trickled out and dried up as it's gone along. The best and example of that was the Eagles game where that first drive, they were moving it. And they were they ran all the way, you know, like a 75-yard touchdown drive. They caught the Eagles in a nickel defense, and they just kind of pounded them with better personnel. And then the Eagles adjusted and went more to base and um, and really dried that up. And, yeah, they're just, there's not a lot of run looks that they're using. They're trying to keep that simple, too, uh, so that they can stay in tempo situations, so that they can um, – make it easier on their players, I guess, and, and not stretch guys that, that aren't as good as a Jack Doyle. But at the same time, like that limits the upside of, of what you can be. And when teams adjust and they're trying to take that away. And they don't they don't have – last year they had six guys that they felt were all playing and blocking run from a run-blocking standpoint only at a plus-plus level, and they don't have that this year. So when you went up against those stacked boxes, it really was they, – they really felt like they had the horses to do it. Um, they don't have those guys this year. They yeah. might feel like that. They, that's they, they might feel like that's what they're trying to do, and they're trying to get their best player. They don't have the same horses in front of them. Yeah, and so Jeff Saturday came in here to try to get that going as best he can. I think he's done some good things. They've gotten some stability of the offensive line, playing the same five guys: Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Will Fries at right guard. Living in that world of youth, and that's just what it is. They're, but to the point, they're doing that to try and get the best unit out there. That's not like a, a future-looking thing necessarily. And then they got Jonathan Taylor a little bit more fresh when they rested him. Now they're using him a ton, though. Um, so, I don't know. The, the run game is – that's the offensive line is playing better than it was. Jeff Saturday, I do think, has helped that. That's really – he's come in and, and done a lot with that offensive line group. You watch him in practice. It's been – I don't know. It's – well – it's playing better than it was, but that yes. like it's still playing below average. Right, it's still I'd playing say, poorly. That's the hard part. Yeah, it's gone from one of the worst offensive lines of football to probably a something ranked in the twenties. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so it's it's not it's, it's not, not good. it didn't change everything. And again, there were things they lost to do that. They've they don't try really any explosive pass plays. That's been a big conversation. Now again, part of that is 
Matt Ryan's arm since the shoulder separation hasn't really been there. But at the same time, they're not drawing up as many shots to like an Alec. Well, Peters. they they said they said Parks Frazier and Matt Ryan just flat out said it a couple of weeks ago. Like we, we were asking about why they weren't throwing the ball downfield more, and they just said you have to have time. Like that's yeah. that's the genesis of what it is. I mean, Ryan's arm, I think, obviously plays a role in it, but you can still throw those balls early. You can get the ball out of his hands early. That's when when they have thrown it downfield and it's been successful. That's yeah. what that's what Ryan's done. It's been like a, you know, in the thirty-five to forty range, yardage-wise, which is that's good lord. The Colts need thirty-five yeah. to forty-yard passes, but they they just don't feel like they can protect. Yeah, and then everything kind of trickles down to that. Teams are not stacking the box as much. Like, for as much as they're running, if, if this was like last year, they'd force teams to stack the box, and teams had no choice last year. And then that would open up the occasional shot play. Teams aren't doing that as much. They're still staying in the, the shell because they're stopping the run enough doing that. So there is well, a safety and they, over the, top. The offense is so simple that all they have to do is figure out where 14 is and rotate the safety over that way. Yeah. And – and Alec Pierce said that after the Cowboys game. He said, like, he's no, he noticed as the season's gone along that people are paying more attention to him on the go ball. And we've seen that. Like, you've seen that where early on in the season when they were hitting those, it was one-on-ones. And in the Cowboys game, I still don't know if Malik Cooker was just a little bit late because he was coming over on that 45-yarder that they hit or 48-yarder or whatever it was. He was coming over on it. He might have just been a little bit late because, like I said, I think the alert for defenses right now is where's 14? Safety watch that deep. Everything else is going short. That's what we've seen. Yeah, and they're not trying enough with other guys. Like I've I've always thought there's there's still something more to Paris Campbell now that he's he looks very fresh out there. He's four three player. But they never try anything down the field with him. I know that's mostly not what his role was supposed to be, but it doesn't mean it can't occasionally be that if defenses are playing that way. But they're just they're not trying that. Well, and the offense right this now. offense used to be so good at getting the crossing routes deep yeah. whether it was an over route or a, or just a, a full-on square in and you're, you're bringing like a 20 yards like th- yeah. that the offense would just feast on those types of throws and that's more they where i've done a lot that's more what i've been looking for for paris I'm, I'm not saying they need to throw it 40 yards in the air down the field to him but he's a guy that like if you could hit him on the in, on the move at like a, you know a post or a, a deep kind of a deep dig and get him kind of moving laterally at full speed, catch the ball and move. Like there could be some plays, and you saw it, you know, a glimpse of it like against the Raiders, who were just out of position. That was a slant route he took to the house for the game when he touched down. But there just aren't enough of those depth of target. Throws. This is where the lack of snaps for Jelani Woods hurts too, because he's really oh, yeah. good in this this area. Like what the little we've seen of him this year, like I just keep thinking, oh man, there might be a real seam stretcher there. And we just haven't seen a lot of it. I want, I want to keep moving. I want to keep moving on and keep it on Saturday. Um, that's kind of the X's and O's piece. Let's let's get into a little bit more of the other coaching stuff. The, the, one of the things that he's been praised for is his energy and like his style of accountability. I want to put this into perspective, and I don't want to put this in perspective from any agenda that I have necessarily. This is what we've reported and what we've heard. Saturday brings a different style than Reich did. Different style of accountability. Um, he does bring a lot of energy. My experience in talking to a lot of players and coaches is that they have said that that was not something that Reich was weak at. It just looks different with Saturday. Scotty Montgomery said these guys were being held accountable. Um, I've had, heard, had several players say that. I had several players, especially after it, say um, he brings the energy. Not that there wasn't energy there before. Um, Grover Stewart did it in Las Vegas after that game. Um, Shaq Leonard, Forrest Buckner, like a lot of guys have said, like there was enough energy um, from the coach from the head coaching position before that. But Saturday has done a good job of that, and I think that one of the things that he probably deserves credit for is that he does have natural leadership skills to step into a tough tough situation. That's what he's been given the most credit for. Whether how much it's different from what happened, I don't think that I've gotten that from my reporting. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Is it? It is just a very different style. So Frank Reich was a, you know, he was. We all know he's Tony Dungy, Marv Levy. Right. He's very much in that mold. He's he just he he's not wired as this guy who wants to call someone out in front of everybody and make this an example and and do it that way. But he had his own style. And I'll give you an example. That was there was a game, and I'm just laying this out because he's laid it out to me. Where Michael Pittman 
had a really bad game against the Commanders. That was after they made the quarterback change. He's frustrated about the changes that were going on. Body language was not great in that game. He was not kind of doing the uh, the extra bits of being a receiver like blocking and route running. And he's laid that all out there. But Frank Wright called him in the office the next week, and they had a conversation one-on-one about how you cannot go to that place. You cannot – like we've got to work through this as frustrating as it is to the point where Pittman kind of was very – I mean, he's always kind of – raw about when he thinks he messed up but that week I mean they ended up firing Marcus Brady that week and he basically took the blame for it publicly and that was his way of communicating what his head coach had told to him Um, so like the idea that Frank Reich was just kind of letting anyone do anything is just not not accurate now it is different we we saw it we saw it in we saw it in training camp too there was a a play in in training camp where Stefan Gilmore um Took a risky shot on Alec Pierce, just just plain and simple, a shot you can't take on a teammate in practice um, because it was up around his head and shoulders, and um, you just don't want to lose anyone to a concussion um, for any length of time. Um, and and Reich and Gilmore had a long conversation mm-hmm. on the sideline, like right behind where we were. Um, and that's, again, he, he coached for right. Tony Dungy, Marv Levy. That's their style. Um Jeff Saturday is different than that. We've seen him be a little bit more fiery. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, again, I, I just haven't gotten – usually when a coach gets fired, you start to hear, like, there's these huge deficiencies. And they have said that he brought accountability, that Saturday brought accountability in his way. I just haven't gotten enough people saying that there was a deficiency. Well, what I've gotten mostly is is a – it's just a different style. And that's that's, you know – I, I also think that in terms of an energy thing, um, I know that Reich on TV looks very calm on the sideline. Um, I would say that his 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 natural public speaking ability is very energetic, um, and I assume it's that way. We're we're not in the rooms, we're not in the, um, but he he does bring an energy regardless of what it looks like. You know, while he's calling plays on the sideline, like there. There's a there's a piece to him when he speaks publicly, that that it, you it, you can feel something you know, um, and that's that's just for me having been to a lot of the things he's talked about like where he's talked publicly over the years, but also from talking to players again, mm-hmm. Grover Stewart, actually ignore me ignore me listen to the players, Grover Stewart was asked like three times in Las Vegas about Saturday's energy, and Stewart kept saying we. We've been having energy. We had energy. Like, and it sticks out to me because Grover is enormous and he speaks in like a bear drawl. And, <laughs> and like, you know, but he wasn't the only one. He doesn't lack energy. Like um, so, so that's, that's another piece. I think, I think Saturday does deserve credit for that. He yeah. does, like, there is, he's a players type coach and he understands how the players work and he knows how to connect there. And that's what he's gotten the most credit for in the locker room. I don't want to minimize that. Yeah. I just want to. Well, I just want to point out, like, as we're looking at the situation and what we're getting from the players. And the topic is worth diving into because that was a motivation of Jim Irsay, I believe, was this idea of lighting a fire and being a little bit more fire and brimstone about it. Um, not that that was, like, a, a huge deal with him between him and Reich, but the reality is that this all started, really got going with that second loss of the Titans. We know how much Jim Irsay hates that. And he had a long meeting with Frank Reich after that. And I contrast that in the decision that came out of that meeting to bench Matt Ryan and um, and the many kind of fired up comments Irsay's had in the presser with what Frank Reich said that day, which was we're 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Yes, we have to get better, but my job's to keep perspective. I think they want a coach who would who would switch it up a little bit more. That again, that was just that's an emotional owner who was trying to find a solution. I think what we're finding though is that like they just had different ways of going about it. I do think that there are you know there there were deficiencies with Reich. Um, he wasn't perfect, and some things do run its course. Uh, I. I I just think it's different than a motivation conversation. I, I don't I don't like you said in talking to players. I never said well, they felt. I don't think they felt like people were getting away with things. I think what ended up happening collectively to this franchise, though, is that they got the the mood of everybody was beaten down by the constant quarterback carousel and the inability to solve it. Which again, this isn't about motivation, energy, and accountability. That's just about getting the job done, designing the offense, getting it safe and. Um, yeah, and, and consistent and 
not starting in such a slow hole and having to climb out like that just wore on guys doing it every year. It's not because they weren't energized on the day-to-day base and held accountable. It's just over time when every year you're doing the same thing, new quarterback, starting slow, digging a hole, losing the Titans. They wanted to feel the same progression that the fans wanted to feel yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. So like Jeff Saturday, that was just an attempt to, to kind of light a new fire there. But that was more about the situation the whole franchise is in. And Rack had a part of that. And I think if there's one, you know, one area of accountability I think is worth questioning with Reich was just specific to Carson Wentz. And it's just about his motivation to go out and get that guy who had already lost a job in Philadelphia. That felt like kind of betting on a player that maybe hadn't really earned it earned that opportunity and, and they tried everything. I mean, again, to get Carson going and his mind was positive reinforcement. That's Reich style anyway. With Carson, I think it he really felt like that mattered even more than with other guys. So I do think there was a little bit of a feeling there that, that it was a little bit too personal between those two. That lingered a little bit, but I just don't think that was the case this season. It just was the collective toll of not getting the quarterback situation figured out and really and then the offensive line the thing that had the yeah. thing that had helped the 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 quarterbacks play the the revolving door of quarterbacks play better than they had in the past rivers wentz those kind of guys um like was was it, a lot of it had to do with how well the colts protected the quarterback and and that and supplemented that it away. with the run game yeah and that went away um the other piece so the other piece just trying to move along here and look at saturday's in-game decision making um, I'm trying to think through all the decisions. The timeout against Pittsburgh, he said he wanted back. Uh, didn't throw the challenge flags against Dallas. Um, and then the other one that kind of crept up was playing time with like Jelani Woods and his decision to playing time with Jelani Woods. And then I think the other one that probably is worth talking about is uh, not asking Matt Ryan about his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, the timeout. I don't know. What, what, what's what's your thoughts on all that stuff when it, when it comes down to it in terms of how how it's viewed? I think some of it. What we're learning is it, this is just really hard to be in that spot, and it takes time to kind of figure out the situations and so what you know he came in in a different spot than Reich was in he's not calling the play so in theory he's a little bit more in tune with every moment holistically beyond the next play call the problem though is he is he's a go-between he's communicating with Parks Frazier on the headset and he's trying to balance that with watching replays with uh, talking to guys in the booth about potential challenges and it's it's just a learning experience it just goes to show that like that's why even coaches like preseason games is to get a little bit of that feel out there. So I do think he's had some um, some moments he's learned from the timeout. He's admitted that he wished he had taken that, be- and not because you know he-, he had the right idea at the time or a justifiable idea at the time, which was we have enough time, we have we can control the clock. But the the situation he put the players in of of hurrying up to the line, switching the formation. Um, running the ball, just the personnel they had on the field, the matchup with Jelani Woods versus Alex Highsmith. These are all things that you, you know, coaches go back and they watch their own film and they understand like, what could I have done better in that moment? And he's having learning moments like that. So that was one. Um, the other ones I think you can, like the challenge one, the challenge flag, you can go either way on that. I thought in that moment it was critical enough. It felt like the turning point. Yeah, it felt, it felt like it was worth it. It, it felt, felt like, it, like was, it was worth it. It feels like... I feel like sometimes there's a challenge flag in the NFL that regardless of whether or not it's likely to get overturned, you throw it just on the chance. You throw it on the chance, and I think it also would have shown the defense that like you're, you're believing in them and you're fighting for them. And if it, if it doesn't go your way, you know, the coach still bet on what Isaiah Rodgers was screaming at him, which is I caught I thought, the ball. I thought it was curious, too, that he said he was – he said the referees were pretty good about helping you out with that. I don't know that I would care what the referee thought. Yeah, because they're always going to think they were right. You know, I and maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe referees are more honest about like, hey, that's going to get overturned, or uh, or I think that has a chance or whatever. But I just I I care much more about what my guys in the booth were saying. 
then and and the guys in the booth were also saying this ball's on the ground like don't don't challenge it um it was just a, it was just an interesting thing to be to say that you know he was in communication with the referees like well especially that like that's the whole point of the of the yeah. challenge is to overturn the referee's call i i might not be thinking through that enough but like I'm trying to give give a, but it, it felt like a weird. It, yeah, it, it does like feel like comment. he was influenced too much by what referees were saying. It, it shouldn't matter because, especially with that case, the ball either hit the ground or it didn't. I've watched that play like ten times. I can't definitively say if it did or not. So I don't know how someone in live form on the field uh, was able to say that either. Uh, but yeah, I think like what Isaiah Rogers said is like this is just the human element of this part is that he was so frustrated by not getting the pick, not having it. He thought he was going to have a challenge. All of a sudden he's right back out on the field and they're throwing and he gives up a touchdown to Michael Gallup, which I believe is the only touchdown he's allowed in coverage this year, or that's what he had said is one of the only look again, the guy's got to learn to bounce back. He's a young player though. He's not started a lot in this league. The challenge would have given some chance to say, Hey, we're going to try and get this because it's such critical play. But then if you don't, it serves as like a timeout of like, all right, reset. You could talk to him throughout that of like, we don't know how this replay is going to go, but you got to be ready to get back out there. That just, that was like another free timeout moment that his defense needed to collect itself because then the dam just quickly broke. And once they gave up that touchdown to Michael Gallup, they're down nine points on the road. Their offense is not built to come back from that. And we saw what happened then. It just became turnover city. It's like you got to feel those moments of like, this is the time to just to just try it. So those are these those feel things that I think Saturday is is learning. Those two moments stand out to me, the challenge flag and the timeout, where like, yeah, could you like write out an explanation for why he did exactly what he did based on – you know, specific things people were saying, sure. But you just got to be able to read the moment, bet on your team, give them a breather, and let them regroup because these are young players who are, you know, their heads spinning a little bit in these primetime games and clutch moments. And um, that it's a very tough part of the job. And it's just one of these things that Jeff Saturday is learning that anybody in this role would learn is that, like, this is so much harder and more complex than it would ever look like from the outside. And um, and the problem is this team does not have the margin of error to kind of survive that. But the Jelani Woods one is – I think that's the most interesting thing to me. The Jelani – his answer on Jelani Woods is playing time because of the window it, it opened up here. So Jelani Woods had the big game against the Steelers. Right. Eight catches, 98 yards. Breakout game, awesome performance. Comes out against the Cowboys and plays 15 snaps. He played 15 snaps. Uh, he played 41 against Pittsburgh. The biggest difference between those two games is that Kylan Granson was available. Uh, I'll let you keep going, but I have I have my own thoughts on, on yeah, the Woods. Yeah, Kylan Granson was available. I also wonder if there was some recourse to the fact that that third down play that didn't work against the Steelers was Jelani Woods in a blocking situation, and he's he's just not there yet. He's a rookie. He's not he's developed in that way. He's clearly – the light's coming on as a receiver, but – this just shows you how much is on the plate of a tight end. So playing Mo Ali Cox in that matchup does make more sense. And the pro- and then when they got into Dallas there, they the way they've explained it is that they just were in so many high-tempo situations that they wanted to keep the personnel on the field. And, again, it's one of those things where there's logic behind it. But another thing that's on the plate of a head coach is keeping in mind roles and, and snap counts and stuff like that not not necessarily a a hard number. especially if you're not calling plays especially right. if you're not calling the plays like that's something that i feel like becomes a little bit like if you are calling the plays i think your position coaches handle that now you might you might as you're calling the plays, say hey i need more of this player on the field because of what they bring to the offense and then and then the position coach does that but in terms of the normal rotations i understand that if you are not calling plays if you are just managing the game like that feels like a very game management type position yeah and to to just kind of give a little window on how this how this often goes in, in football coaches will meet like on a, a Thursday or a Friday I think it's usually Friday uh, during the season and they'll they'll go over the game plan and, and the idea of like what would be a projected snap count how much do we want to play Jelani Woods versus Moali Cox in this moment these are sort of um general numbers they'll come up with and then obviously how the game goes whether they're getting first downs it's going to impact that but and then certain things will happen where like maybe you're playing Jelani Woods or maybe you're playing Mo Alley Cox during the game and you're running like crazy and you're like why would we 
put in a tight end who can't block. But anyway, throughout the game, the position coaches are watching for that. You know, Clayton Adams, who just departed for Stanford, but he's a tight ends coach. He's keeping track of how much has Mo Alley played, how much has Colin Grant's played, how much has Jelani Woods played. And if you do have a situation where, like, say there was one long drive, like they had a couple long drives where Mo Alley Cox is out there, so it just it works that way. He gets all the snaps. You make up for that on the next drive or a different drive, and you say this is going to be the Jelani Woods one. We're going to roll out the packages we practiced with him. There was not that adjustment that game, and the way that Jeff Saturday packaged it was, well, the guys we had on the field were playing pretty well, so we kept them out there. But that is something he's got to learn is that that, that is not good enough in the NFL because eventually like, you can be playing well doing one thing and the other team's going to adjust to it. And also you could be playing even better. Yeah, you were in a 21-19 game, but what if you were up because Jelani Woods was able to break off one route in the middle of the field? I mean, he caught 98 yards in the previous game. So there's so there's two. They one of the things here is that the Colts kind of have two receiving tight ends. This is what the Pittsburgh game taught us because Granson was out, and so Woods played a lot of the F role. And I think Kylan Granson has proven this season that he can be an effective piece to a passing game, especially in a move the chains over the middle crossing route type of way um the di- the problem is he does not bring the same explosive quality that we've seen from jelani woods and this or the is a size mismatch and this offense is this offense is desperate right now for explosive plays they, they like they that's not me t- saying that that's them saying that jeff saturday said it uh parks frazier has said it Scotty Montgomery said it. Matt Ryan said it. Like this, this is what people are saying. They need more explosive plays because the way that they're built. Montgomery was talking about this last week. We we grind it out, grind it out, grind it out, grind it out, and every, the more you grind it out, the more chance there is for a mistake to happen. If we could just have an explosive play, get us back on schedule, get going. Jelani Woods can give you that. He has that kind of ability. Um, we've seen it from him. I, I think this is off the top of my head. I don't have it right in front of me. But in terms of guys who are averaging significant yards per reception right now, you have Alec Pierce at 15.1. And I think Michael Strawn has, is averaging 19.3, but he only has three catches. And I think that maybe the next person is Jelani Woods at like 12 and a half yards per reception. He's explosive. Get him on the field more because he's explosive. Does that hurt Granson? Probably. Um but you've got to find a way to get if you need explosive plays, get your most explosive players on the field more often. It would be my would be my thought. Yeah, July's at twelve point one. So he's uh uh Doolin's at fourteen. That's the Doolin's at fourteen. One. Okay, that was the one I was missing. Catches, though. Um but yeah, that's I knew I was missing one. The other thing too is that like Big apologies to Ashton Doolin. I know there's an Ashton Doolin hive out there. I I gotta apologize yeah. for um with a guy like Jelani Woods, so here's the deal, is that you draft this t- – and this is, again, where Jeff Saturday, he's coming in and learning these situations exactly. But you draft a tight end out of Virginia in the second round. It's a slow start in training camp, right? He has had flashed in moments, mostly red zone, had some down moments too, you know, missed a block against the Steelers. It happens. It's like an up-and-down rookie season. It's very normal. He's gone through things emotionally, as we've written about. But he had a moment where the light came on, and that's what everybody's waiting for is that one game where the light can come on for a rookie. It comes on against the Steelers. You should be building on that. And that starts in practice. It starts with the conversation of, like, great job. You know, you're going over how he played, the things that you can add to your offense. Understanding not every game you're going to have 98 yards, but we're going to build on this. We're going to add elements of this. You add it to the practice game plan, and then you force it on game day. Or you, you make sure you call it. If it doesn't work on game day, you say, okay, like we're trying and, and we're going to learn from this. The problem is that, like, they may have done that. They may have, you know, I asked Parks Frazier about trying to build on that momentum. They may have tried to build on that throughout the, the week in the game plan. But if you're going to be a coach on game day who says, well, the guys on the field that we had were playing well, so we just stuck with them, that's not good enough. That That's where Jeff Saturday's got to learn and evolve. And again, this is just, it's a, it goes to the bigger conversation of how million many things are on the table of a head coach because the part of it they're trying to win that game part of it though is they're also trying to get the most out of the second round pick get him moving and if if you could create this if they could finish this out with final like five six games Jelani Woods is really coming on strong that is a big deal for this franchise that needs a tight end and that 
and it would also help you win games more because like what you're saying it would create some explosive plays and then it would work with grants where you say like you know what you're playing pretty well this year we are playing jelani woods more because our offense needs explosive plays that's not your fault but that's the situation we're in and guys guys get this these are professional players they're just they're trying to do the most and you can still get grants and targets you don't have to like it doesn't have to be none all or nothing it doesn't have to be none like i think it was like 41 to 15 or something like that well what if it's you know 28 to 28 yeah and there may be another game where like if if woods keeps doing this then defense are going to adjust to him maybe that becomes a granson moment these are just the things you have to constantly work on is and this is where part of it, they're short-staffed on offense now. They just lost Clayton Adams, so they've lost three offensive coaches. There's fewer guys with their eye on this type of thing right now in, in, in this conversation, but you're trying to figure out what every player offers this team, what their role is, how to expand upon their role, how to not um, overextend them. And I think Jelani Woods is a perfect example of how they've done both. They overextended him by keeping him on the field in a rushed, hurry-up situation against the Steelers, asked him to block. Alex Highsmith uh, wasn't ready for that moment. And then the very next week, they just abandoned the things he did well uh, with all the receiving elements because Moale Cox was blocking pretty well in a game where eventually you were going to have to hit explosive plays to beat the Cowboys on the road. You just were. And they had to find a way to, to build it. And this is where Parse Frazier's learning too. And that's like – He's never been a full-time position coach, um, let alone a coordinator, called plays. I think he, he, he he's had some good moments, uh, but but that's something you got to learn too is that like you got to be watching that throughout a game of this needs to be the Jelani Woods drive or maybe even just the Jelani Woods red zone possession, something that would have moved the needle more in that direction. Okay, last one, not asking Matt Ryan about his shoulder. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's 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 kind of <laughs> what's interesting about that is that he that's what he initially said is I've you know I've not asked him about it. I don't ask players about their injuries. We talk to the trainers. Um, what he was getting at is that he doesn't believe that players are going to be fully honest about that, and I think he's right to a point. Matt Ryan does not seem like a guy who's saying, "Yeah, my shoulder hurts too much. Take me out." Um, at the same time, though, that still needs to be a conversation you have. And then, you know, he mentioned that after. Well, and I he think you have to up, cut through that. I think you have to be able to cut through that yeah, as a coach. You got to you know, be able like, to read. Like a good example is what they were saying with Leonard at the beginning. Like the tape had to match. The tape, the tape from prior to the surgery had to match up, and it wasn't matching up. Like there has to be. There has to be some check, and the coach has to be able to do that, and and maybe and maybe even cut through it in the conversation and say. Uh, this is what I'm seeing from you, but you're saying you're fine. Is that true? You yeah, know? and that's important because if they if they were to decide to bench Matt Ryan because they felt on tape the shoulder wasn't – like he, he just didn't have the arm, the shoulder's not healthy regardless of what he's saying, they need to have had that conversation with the player because what Matt Ryan's going to say is, where did that come from? Why didn't you ask me how my shoulder is doing? And so – it it is a point. Uh, it it is an important point. I, I get what Jeff's saying is that like he he's been there as a player and he thought if anyone ever came to me and asked me I'd say I'm ready to go. But yeah, he's not been in the position of a head coach to realize you got to have that conversation to keep people, um, just to keep the conversation going so they're aware that you're thinking about this and looking into it and worried about it and you're you are looking out for their health and. Um, and then at the same time, looking out for what's best for the player, what's best for the team in this. Um, I don't know. I, it's You can go too far the other direction where you say, like, well, you know, what, what started like the concussion, um, all the concussion changes was this idea of we used to ask players if they feel okay. And all he said he felt okay. And, and so Jeff doesn't want to rely too much on what a player is saying because they're competitors and they're running on adrenaline. But it has to be part of the conversation, and they should have. And it seems like he realized that because he said after we asked about it, he went and asked Matt Ryan about his shoulder. Again, just a learning moment for him. The last piece for me, and this is this is where we'll end the podcast. But I think one of the other things that stands out is that they're not finishing games very well. Um, it's a four-game sample size. Um, they did beat the Raiders. It used to be what they did well. Right, right, finish the right, game. right, right. That's yeah, especially with Ryan at quarterback, and they haven't done it really very well i mean they, the pittsburgh drive um obviously the eagles game and then and then you know maybe the worst fourth, fourth quarter anyone's ever seen against dallas um you know th- they're starting faster 
um, which was 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 a big problem for this year's team, and they are starting faster, but they're finishing slower. Yeah, and it's interesting to read into kind of why that is. I do think the the simplification, all the stuff we've gotten into that they're not doing as much with watching players' roles and adjusting throughout a game and um, and, and opening the playbook up to be more than just locked in personnel and tempo situations is that Matt Ryan has lost some of the feel to adjust throughout a game and, and test things throughout a game to where he can say, hey, this is the way they're playing it. Like, small example here is when they came back on the Broncos, you know, he had noticed at a certain point in that game that when Deion Jackson was in there for Naheem Hines, the linebacker just wasn't even paying attention to him. We thought, this is a young kid, what's he going to do? He's just pass protecting. And so they drew up a route in that moment, threw it to him, set up a field goal to go to overtime. There's just fewer of those opportunities because they're running fewer plays with specific players in in testing that out. And so, uh, but they are starting better, which I think has come to the simplification. They're not turning it over um, early in the game as much as they had before because they are coming in with a plan. It's safe. It's it's lower risk. And they're executing pretty well to start. It just kind of shows like they always say as a game goes on, as the season goes on, it becomes more about players than plays. And this offense right now is very simple. We're going to line up and try and beat you. And eventually, like, they're they're not good enough to win that way. They face a team like the Cowboys. On both sides of the ball, the personnel was better – for the other team they're facing. So the longer that it goes on, like you may be playing pretty well in a 21-19 game, unless you make those proper adjustments like we're talking about with like a, you know, the Jelani Woods drive, for example, or, or drawing up a specific play based on how they're playing Jelani Woods in that game as a reaction to how he played against the Steelers, without that kind of creative uh, and pre-snap elements that Matt Ryan's good at, what you have is you're asking your office to just out-execute the opponent all the time and especially through the run game, which is sort of low upside, and the juice just kind of runs out. Four games left for Jeff Saturday to change the narrative. We want to take stock of it. So that's what we did on this week's podcast. We're getting close here to when the Colts have media availability, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, all of our stuff still on IndyStar.com. Um, I know I know, as a fan base it's it's getting harder to spend time with this team with each passing game, but we're, we're going to keep covering them. And uh, we'll be in Minnesota on Saturday. Uh, for a game against the Vikings that will be televised on, I think, NFL Network and Fox 59 locally. Um, 1 p.m. Saturday, it's a little different. Yes. So, which it's also going to be a big problem for those of us who have to write, Saturday said Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't. (laughs) After the game. I wasn't here the the one practice we had that would have been like that. Yeah, it happened happened a couple times. Uh, But, uh, yeah. Keep paying attention. Keep going to IndyStar.com. Uh, we've also got plenty of stuff on on uh, Indiana and Purdue basketball if you want to read something that's a little, get, get you a little more excited. Uh, for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Mm-hmm.